Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the 70th episode of the DMR Nuggets Serial Corner. That's three less than Game of Thrones and I haven't decapitated anybody yet, nor slept with any of my sisters on the show. My name is Miroslav Tsuk and boy, what an NBA week is behind us. Our world champions, Denver Nuggets, first played in the Oklahoma in a match where two unbeaten teams at that point were trying to serve the first L to each other. Of course, as you know well, the Nuggets kicked Thunder's ass and left me thinking about only one thing after the game. Would Jokic be willing to ride the seesaw with Chet and Poku on the other side? By the way, Ride My Seesaw by Moody Blues is a pretty good song considering it was performed by a bunch of suit-wearing guys who all look like Brandon Bolt. Just 27 hours later, they were back in Denver to face Super Laurie and the Utah Jazz. The Nuggets were in the lead from wire to wire, and it wasn't a blowout only because of some pretty bad Jamal Zeke minutes. But more on that later. Then, 45 hours later, they were already in Minneapolis, the birthplace of Brandon and Brenda Walsh, to play, to play against the Twin Towers. The starters began the game by missing everything. Jokic was the only guy who was hitting something. After that, the bench fought as much as they could, but then the starters lost the game by the end of the second quarter. We saw for the first time our Twin Towers of Jokic and Zeke, but it wasn't a great game to evaluate it. They ran out of the gym. Then, another 47 hours later, they came back to Denver to face Kyrie Irving and the other guy who is his second option, according to Kenyon Martin. Now, that was entertaining. The Nuggets scored 70 in the first half. Jamal was dishing, Nikola wasn't missing, so Luca naturally started hunting MPJ on defense. Little he knew, it wasn't the MPJ of the past. It was a guy that looked like Bambi on ice, but he still completely shut down the greatest offense generator outside of Denver. After the game, Nikola told Luca that he had to beat him so he could make fun of him later. And trust me, that's the most PG version of what he said to him, actually. I'm trying to keep this show family friendly. Finally, 20 hours later, the Nuggets hosted the Bulls, who were also on a back-to-back. It was a close first half. The second half began with a hamstring injury to Joel Murray, who did not come back into the game. But despite of all that, the Nuggets played 
one of their best halves in recent memory and got the easy win against Nikola Vucevic, Demar DeRozan, and the rest of the Chicago team. The Nuggets are 6-1 and one and looking strong and motivated. So, five games since our last show, that was eight days ago, so let's dig into it. To no surprise, I have some excellent guests today. First, the first lady to guest on this show, and I apologize, it took 70 episodes for it to happen finally. She is the biggest Nuggets fan in Utah. She has every right to be considered the most thoughtful Nuggets fan in the world, as she came up with the idea for Nuggets fans to sponsor a therapy horse so we can all collectively show appreciation for, conservatively speaking, third best basketball player ever. She is Moles Balls 84, but some people also know her as Molly Hunt. Welcome to the show, Molly. Hello. I did not realize I was the first woman to ever be on your show, Miroslav. Um, yeah. Well, well, it's both surprising and an honor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but maybe a bit insulting as well. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it, it, it is something I need to work to work on. So tell me, what's new in Salt Lake City? Oh, well, actually, so I moved a few months ago, um, and I live kind of in the southern part of the state. So I'm a little bit outside of the Salt Lake City metro area where I had been for the last couple of years. But it's still jazz country down here. Um, I'm still in the Utah Jazz Blackout Zone, um, but which means I can get Nuggets on League Pass still. So it's one of the good things about being a Nuggets fan in Utah. Um, and I just want to, I appreciate, you know, calling out the horse fundraiser stuff. I just want to make sure that um, we recognize all the people who donated to those fundraisers. Um, it was a fun, a really fun um, initiative, and I'm glad that I got to be a part of it, but I'm super grateful and super, you know, yeah, very appreciative of all the thoughtful fans out there who donated and retweeted and, you know, generated some of the hype for it. But um, yeah, all is well here in Utah. Excited for a new season. Um, I am a 90-minute drive from Las Vegas, so hoping to see what I can do about catching some of that in-season tournament action coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm I'm so all in for the for the in-season tournament. It's something we have normally in Europe in all the leagues. Mm, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is something that's 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 uh, strange only to American pro sports, but hopefully, hopefully, uh, it will catch on in the NBA too. So tell me, I, I believe it was in this this March that you got that huge donation for the for the therapy horse and I know it was anonymous but but can you tell me a bit about you know that sure. venture yeah so the last time so we've done three rounds of the fundraiser for the Colorado Therapeutic Writing Center that is located in Longmont Colorado and um Around, you know, March, April this year, I guess it was March of this year, as we all know, the, the discourse around the MVP race had gotten quite toxic. And Jokic said some things that led us all to believe whether whether we knew it before or not, it was kind of confirmed that he hears things, he sees things, he reads things, even though we don't see him online. He sees things. And um, another very thoughtful Nuggets fan DM'd me and said, hey, maybe we should run another fundraiser. You know, it feels like we need some goodness out there in the universe because the, the discourse is toxic and we want Jokic to know that like we still care and like he's still, um, you know, that we're not buying into that negativity and that toxicity. So we started at the fundraiser again and then I got a DM from another very thoughtful fan who told me that they were sending a donation of $15,000. And if people remember, remember, it's $2,500 to sponsor a horse for one year. 
And we did that twice previously. The goal was just to get another $2,500 so we could sponsor a third horse. But this really generous fan and donor um, stepped up a big time with that donation. And I think, I mean, I'd have to do the math in my head, but I think that means total we donated, what, 22, I think 22,000, over 22K to the Colorado Therapeutic Writing Center over the course of all of the fundraisers that we've done. But that very generous fan, they have asked to remain anonymous. I know I know who it is, and I've, I've had the pleasure of being able to meet them in person. We were only Twitter mutuals, you know, for a while, and then I have been able to meet that person. So they are they are part of the um, Nuggets Twitter fan universe and just so grateful for that person's generosity. I know the Colorado Therapeutic Writing Center is as well, and hopefully Jokic. Hopefully he saw it. I had tried to get in touch with his agent after all of that. Um, I'm going to shout out Mike Singer, who previously was the Denver Post, who helped get me in touch. Uh, we haven't seen any movement on that yet. I know Jokic is very busy, and I know that especially that time of the season, you know, just a little bit going on for him and then, um, you know, wanted to give him his time in the offseason. So we'll keep trying. We'll keep seeing what we can do and as, as far as getting Jokic out there and seeing the horses. I know the Colorado Therapeutic Riding Center would love for that to happen. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where things stand with that. And it was a wonderful way to kind of go into the postseason, I think, and help us all as Nuggets fans just remember the, the goodness that we have on our team and as a fan base. Yeah, I, I remember horse's name, Baba, because he is the only horse affiliated to Nicola that isn't earning hundreds of dollars yeah. in trotter races all over Serbia. Yeah, I mean, a meager, a meager $2,500 a year for Baba. <laughs> and then the second one, oh gosh, what was our hands? I think our second horse is Handsome, was yeah, the one that was selected. And then for this final donation, I mean, my apologies to, to Nuggets Nation out there where I, I wasn't able to really put the time and energy into like, okay, let's pick six new horses or however many new horses that is and get, you know, that going. But the money did get donated. It is being used well by the Colorado Therapeutic Riding, Therapeutic Riding Center is being used to help sponsor horses and make sure they are fed and hooved, I guess, and, you know, able to provide the therapy services that they provide for the community. So yeah, Bubba, Handsome, and then other, many other horses that are benefiting from the generosity of Nuggets fans. That, that is such a cool story. Let me let me introduce my second guest for today. He is a returning offender, a guy originally from Bahamas, which is a place I have on my bucket list. A, bri a brilliant singer, uh, an owner of the best radio voice I've ever heard. It's one of the biggest stars of Nuggets and not only Nuggets Twitter. It's Jeremy Nichols. Welcome back to the show. Wow. Um, well, let me let me let me do let me give you one correction. Um, I, I went to high school in the Bahamas, but I'm oh. originally from Trinidad. Trinidad, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So just just but everything everything else was I loved it, loved it, love it. But but thank you, uh, thank you for bringing me back on the show. I, I had a whole lot of fun the first time around. So like you said, you know, second time offender. Let's make it happen. You know. Yeah, wonderful. So I know you're a huge Broncos guy too. Can, can you just describe to me the contrast between? your broncos and nuggets fandom right now um well it it definitely is a contrast right i mean you you gotta you gotta think you know the the nuggets are coming off a championship and the broncos haven't sniffed the playoffs since 2016 right so it's it's tough it's tough but for me i am as loyal as they come right once i select my team Good years and bad years. Obviously, this is the, the Nuggets' first championship, so I've I've you know have been a Nuggets fan for for twenty three years up until that point. And hey, we waited the whole time, so 
for me, it is tough. It's like you go Sunday and like you watch the Broncos. I mean, then again, the Broncos have played well the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to say nothing. Um, but the Broncos have not played well. OK, but so you have one team that's essentially at the bottom of the totem pole in the NFL. And then you have your other team who, as you can see behind me, are the current champions. Right. So I think it is the coolest thing on certain days but other days it's kind of depressing so i think there it, it allows me to stay balanced and humble honestly yeah but it, it also makes you stronger right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now you know how much you you love the teams and it's it's easy to be a, a fair weather fan it's it, it it is actually what what make you and all of the other long-lasting nuggets fans great fans because there was so much suffering absolutely yeah it's, it was it was painful i mean a lot of playoff losses i mean you talking like the the late 2000 um nuggets teams even with carmelo anthony on it and they would make the playoffs every year basically and it would be a first round knockout i mean going back to think about the first round loss to the clippers the jazz the lakers the spurs it was just every year was something so a lot of losses and then you had the years after that where you didn't make the playoffs for a while and then you know, 2013, they got to the playoffs with the Warriors, and that started the whole Warriors dynasty. I will, I will die on that hill. I believe the Nuggets started the Warriors dynasty. But anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been it's been a interesting ride in terms of both teams. My love for both teams, but of course, um, seeing as the fact that the Nuggets are the champions now, like you said, it man, it's uh, it makes it extra sweet that we were able to go through all the bad years, and now you know because. I'm still surprised that so many people online who are not Nuggets fans really do consider the Nuggets the top of the total pole. Like people are just saying, like you're seeing rankings and lists that are coming out all of a sudden. Jokic is the best player. The Nuggets are number one. It's like I never thought this would happen, you know. But I, I think I think it is really cool. Just wait until they 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 have two consecutive losses in December. <laughs> Everything will change immediately. Right, okay. right, right. And on that note, let me introduce. Uh, my last uh, guest for today, he is uh, one of my favorite podcasters, the guy I've been regularly listening to for the past six years, I believe. He is my dedicated injury recovery time forecaster, a co-host of the Denver Stiffs show, and one of the main guys on the Denver Stiffs. Again, it's Gordon Gross. Now I know why you brought me on. You just had a premonition that Murray was going to tweak a hamstring. <laughs> And you were like, I better have Gordon on this show so we can talk about hamstring recovery times. Well, I see how it is. Uh, nobody will believe me if we agreed on this like like 10 days ago. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's you going to do? What's you going to do? Yeah, well, uh, when while we're on that subject, how, how much time can we accept uh, expect from, from Jamal to miss? Oh, it depends on how bad the hamstring is. It uh, The problem with hamstrings, it's one of the longest muscles in the body. So you want to be careful with it um, because if you don't let it heal correctly the first time, it could linger half the season. So you don't want that. Anybody who's ever been a runner and pulled a hamstring, you need to stretch. You need to relax. You need to not do not make it worse. So hamstrings are tricky in sports. Um, if it's a three to 10 day issue with a grain one sprain, you're fine like that. You can ride that out. You do some massage. You keep it warm you let him heal up miss a miss two three games and then he can come back if it's more than that if it's a grade two you're talking potentially through thanksgiving or beyond 
um, because a hamstring could be two to six or eight weeks. So you don't want that. So it, it, we're hoping it's a grade one and uh, that I'm hoping that to not see him, honestly, in the next game. I don't want him to play. Um, I would rather them take, give him several days of rest. He looks like he could use it anyway. Uh, but yeah, for, for this particular thing, the problem with hamstrings is it could be nothing to something very serious. So it's, it's not like, you know, spraining, a uh, you know, you twist an ankle, you know, basically what you're going to be in for. This isn't that. So caution is what I am hoping the, the nuggets provide us with here. Yeah. So it, it, it does qualify as a, as a core injury, right? Well, it depends. Uh, People call it a hip injury, but that depends on which part of the hamstring you strain. So if you strain it and it's up uh, attaching to the pelvis, then they're like, well, it's a hip injury. But it's not a it's not a it's not a hip injury. It's a leg injury. Um, But again, we'll we'll see what they what they wind up doing. Uh, I'm hoping that it's a minor issue that he'll get some rest and be fine in a week. But knock on all the wood surfaces you can find for that. So so money. If we face like two, three weeks without Jamal, I feel like that could be a good thing for, for the chemistry of the team because that would bring uh, Reggie Jackson playing a lot more with, with Nikola Jokic and, and building up on something that already looks pretty good at the beginning of the season. So uh, uh, are you more optimistic about Jamal missing time now than comparing like a couple of years ago? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think we know who slides into that spot and it's not this like nobody who's ever played or somebody, well, I mean, Reggie Jackson, he's getting more minutes. Um, and yeah, I think give him more time, give him that chance to develop more of that chemistry with Jokic, see how he fits in with the starters. I know there's, um, a rallying cry to get Christian Brown in there in that spot. And I bet Malone plays around with some things and tries different things and gives different guys that start. But I'm with Gordon. I want to see Jamal rest. Um, I mean, it's with this mid season or in season tournament coming up. It's kind of sad. It's like, I'd be cool to see what the, what our healthy team could do, but the end of the day, get Jamal some rest. And I, I don't know. I'm curious the the fact that we haven't heard anything since last night. Like I, I even was checking Twitter again this morning. I was like, just searching for Jamal Murray. I'm like, how has there been nothing no news about it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but yeah, let's get Reggie Jackson some minutes. Let's get Jamal some rest. Yeah, I I, I see now the, the comment that my sound was bad and it is because my mic wasn't on. Yeah, I, I hope it's it's getting better now. Um I mean I have a different mic, but that's that's not as good. Uh Jeremy, you looked like like you wanted to say something about uh, uh minutes of, of Reggie Jackson next to the starters. Um, I mean, I was just in agreement, right? I mean, I think we all know what Reggie Jackson was originally brought in for, right? I mean, even if you look back at his like Clippers days and you saw, okay, maybe he wasn't playing as good before he got to the Nuggets. And when he did get to the Nuggets, he had a couple rough games like initially, but just like you mentioned so far this season, I haven't seen anything from Reggie that made me you know, get a cause to pause. Like, I think he's actually been playing pretty solid and that's all we need from him. We just need solid play. Um, And I think with, with Jamal potentially out, obviously we don't know the specifics of it just yet, but if he is out for any extended period of time, honestly, it does not bother me as much solely because of Reggie Jackson and Reggie Jackson is a 
he's a solid guy. I mean, he's had playoff wins, right? Where he was the reason that the teams have won, right? So he has a lot of experience. And I think, I mean, let's be real. Reggie Jackson can play pretty well. I, it'll be interesting to see Christian Brown. It'll be interesting to see even guys like Justin Holiday, because we got to go back and think um, certain people that were brought in for specific reasons. This could be very well one of those reasons where you slide in certain players for different right. reasons. Even Jalen Pickett, maybe he gets a couple minutes here and there, right? So I think it'll be interesting to find out. But like you guys said, this all of this is building up to the, I mean, obviously the playoffs are no time soon, but you want to get that experience in early. So by the time the playoffs come around, if anything that we have to deal with injury-wise, the Nuggets will be ready. Yep. Gordon, do you, do you expect Reggie? as a starter next game? Uh, honestly, it makes more sense. Uh, I expect the the, um, the minute switches. Malone doesn't like to change his rotations up. So it, it makes sense for the Nuggets to actually not put Reggie in the starting unit because then he can you have an actual steady point guard with the bench because otherwise you're relying on a guy with like 12 NBA minutes to run your bench unit. Um, so that I can see why that would be concerning, and you might just want to stick Christian Brown in the starting unit, have him get Jamal's minutes, um, and then just run the offense all the way through Jokic. Um, but uh, Malone also has the other hand where he's like, but veterans get preference. So if my one veteran goes down, my other veteran's going to step in. I can see it going either way. I would expect it to fall out that uh, you're going to see more of Christian Brown with the starters. Um, and Reggie running the bench, but getting more minutes than he was getting before um, Murray went down. And that I, I think he'll probably split the difference that way. Yeah, that, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I could see actually many different guys in, in place of Jamal just just for the starting unit. Julian Strotter makes makes, makes some some uh, sense also. Uh, Christian Brown as well. There, there are different uh, combinations we might see. We might see Point Gordon like with, with the starters. That would be fun. I don't expect that at all, but I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the only way. Uh, that's the only reason I I thought thought of Strutter not as a point guard but as a shooting guard, and right. Aaron Gordon actually uh, moving the ball. Okay, uh, we'll now take a short break and then we'll talk a bit about the winners of this week for the Nuggets. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Let's start with the big guy. Some people, and I'm not naming names, predicted for the fifth season in a row that Nikola might take a step back regarding his scoring, so somebody else could lead the team in that category. Right now, he is averaging 27.4 points per game, which is higher even than that insane 2021-2022 season when he was playing with 10 guys that are not even in the league anymore. And I'm not counting those Exhibit 10 guys that you know came in for a couple of games. He's also averaging almost 13 rebounds and almost 8 assists. And that assist number is probably going to rise up a bit until Jamal comes back for sure. Mm -hmm. So the turnovers already evened out after that Memphis game when he turned it over like eight, nine times. He's now at his uh, 
three-year average there. And his effective field goal percentage is even higher than last year. And we thought that's not something that can be done. 67.5%. Like the, the, those are like, like prime DeAndre Jordan numbers when he was totally dunking and nothing, nothing else. So we've been humble enough for years. It's time to say it openly. We had the Magic Bird era. We had the Jordan era. We had the Shaq and Kobe era. Spurs and Warriors eras. But this, is, but this is new time. This is Nikola Jokic's era. Knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. Nobody is stopping this guy. So, Molly, does Nikola look better to you this season? Or is it like, like same all, same all from him? I mean, I hope I never get to the point where Jokic is just same old, same old. I, so what stands out to me, and to be fair, so I missed last night's game, um, and I wasn't able to watch all of the Jazz games. So what does stand out for me, though, from the, the games that I have been able to watch so far this season is his shots around the rim. And I think the rebounding has to do with it, where he's just, anytime he grabs a board, it goes it goes in. He puts it up and it goes in. And to me, those are the shots where I'm like, he just doesn't miss those. I mean, we've talked for seasons, right, about his touch, his softness, his finesse around the rim. And to me, that's where it's really standing out when I think about like, well, what is it that's changed or what's improved or how is he getting even better? Those just aren't, those are going in every single time. And he's there every single time to put those back up on, um, on his own misses and then anybody else's miss, you know? So to me, that's what really stands out where it's just that, that um, efficiency is going up on those shots. And I don't know if he's, I don't know if you just keep practicing and practicing those shots, but they just never miss. I feel like every time one of those goes up, it's going in. So, so Jeremy, do you think that he came to the conclusion he needs to assert himself a bit more because that actually opens everything up for the Nuggets? Or, or is it something that the whole team was probably building up to so now we can get this, this version of Jokic? Well, what I'll say is what he said at the parade really stood out to to me and to a lot of people, right? Obviously, he said some things that were just like, whoa, okay, this is, we like to hear this from him. Um, So I think his mentality has changed, right? I think obviously there is this common misconception about Jokic that he does not care, okay? Like a lot of people say that all the time. Um, Now, I, I, I have been a firm believer that he did not care about the negative stuff that people would say about him. But of course, after the Kendrick Perkins situation last season, we obviously saw that he heard and he, he took those things to heart because let's be real. He only lost that MVP because he chose to lose that MVP. Everyone with sense and everyone who understands basketball knows that. So, um, but what I will say is what I've, the, one of the biggest differences that I'm seeing so far this season we saw it really the other night when he hit that that three against the Mavericks and you saw that 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 raw emotion like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't even a moment where he was sharing that with his teammates. That was for him. Right. When he hit that three and he turned around, that was like he kind of like belted down and it was just him alone in that moment. Obviously, everybody else was celebrating, but you, you almost you're starting to see it now where he knows how dominant he is. He knows how good he truly is as a player. And I think that is a scary thing for the rest of the league because now he he's confident in his own abilities. And let's be real, even with Jamal Murray out, 
all all we're gonna see is just Jokic kind of put his head down and say, "All right, cool. Well, y'all know I'm I'm. It, this is not different for me. I've been used to right. carrying this team, right? So that's all we're seeing now. We're seeing a Jokic who now understands his own abilities and he's becoming or he is now what we thought he would become. So so Gordon Nikola actually had to play for a full season without Jamal and and Michael two years ago and he took the team to 48 wins. Yeah. He, he he did not like pull a Luca and miss on the on the play in. Um <laughs> so d- d- what do you think would happen god forbid if he had to do the same thing again? in the regular season would it be the similar result with with his new me uh Denver would be better. Uh, they would win more they're they're better suited around him the uh, the it's not just that nicola knows who he is now it's that everybody else in the team knows who they are and they know what they need to do to play with jokic like that before, uh, like when we had, when we said that Nicole needed to take the reins more or start earlier, it's because he was trying to get everybody involved. He wanted to lay back for a while. And then if they were behind, he would take one of those giant third quarters and just put it on people. He did one yesterday against the Bulls. He, he just decided, okay, fine. Well, I'm just going to put it on somebody in this third quarter. And he did. Uh, but that was his plan all the time before. And now... Um, he goes from the jump. He knows what he's supposed to do. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do, and they do it. So there's no confusion. Everybody knows how they work together. It's a well-fitted team. And even without Murray, um, it's going to create a bigger burden on Jokic. But like you said, he knows what that is already. He's already done a full season of it. And he uh, now has teammates that, except for the Murray hole that you'd have to fill, everybody still plays their same role. You know who those guys are. You might have MPJ taking more shots, but MPJ has shown he's willing to do that. Um, he's also willing to do all of the little things. It's not just shooting. So if he doesn't get more shots in a game, he'll keep playing defense and stuff in Luca all the time. So in that sense, I'm not I'm not worried about the Nuggets. They'll be a 50-plus win team with or without Murray. It's not the regular season that they need Murray for. Murray is a playoff legend for a reason. So all you want is Jamal being healthy down the stretch into the playoffs. You know, the Nuggets are, are going to be the, the favorites, or at least they should be, because that is an unstoppable combo. But in the regular season, Jokic versus a random Thursday night, it, you know, Jokic will be fine. Yeah, Jeremy, so Gordon just, just mentioned MPJ stuffing Luka in that game. And, and of course, MPJ is one of the, the biggest winners of of this past week because do, do you expect like Michael Malone to scream at his guys give him the ball more he's earned it now <laughs> well you know what I, I don't think he would have to scream at them I think that you know I think the, the guys understand like what Michael Porter does now right like Gordon just brought it up the fact that Michael Porter is no longer and I don't I don't want to say this in a disrespectful way but he is no longer a cone on defense, right? Because if you look at it, even last night where there were a couple plays there with, with Zach Levine and Michael Porter was on him specifically. And then he just cut him off in the, on the baseline. He couldn't move with right. him. Luca did it to him multiple times. Like, like you guys just mentioned. So what we're seeing a different Michael Porter, man, like we're seeing some, we know, we all know he can shoot. That is his 
God-given gift. We know he's good at that. But when he is passing the ball, getting in the passing lanes, blocking shots, playing defense, if he is going to continue doing that throughout the rest of this season, the Nuggets will repeat. Like this, that like because what they've, I mean, if you think about it, you guys just talked about and joked about Point Gordon, right? Aaron Gordon is last night, what, five assists as well? Like he is he is really buying in. And Gordon, you made a really good point where you're you mentioned where the team is starting to really vibe with what Jokic is. What Jokic is is just what he is. So everybody else's their games are starting to to work well with what he does. Now everybody's just moving the ball more. KCP is as well. Now it, it is interesting to see, but Michael Porterman, if he can continue playing defense like this, oh, it's it's like somebody just said in the comments, the league is cooked if he does that for sure. <laughs> so so Molly. Michael is our guy. We all love him. He is, you know, mm -hmm. ho homebred in Denver. And did you expect him at any point of his career to be this kind of defender for a for a long stretch of games? I mean, I hope so, right? Like the poor kid had such a rough couple of starts or a couple of years to start his career in the league with all of his injuries and surgeries and all of that. And I think um, once he was able to feel healthy, be confident. And I think you can just tell, I mean, someone, Jeremy, I think you were talking about the, uh, like the team now knows like who he is and what he can do. And he's not like a liability where maybe he once was perceived that way. And I think the confidence of the team and the encouragement of the team, like I loved, I mean, my favorite things are the post-game locker room, my, you know, my. footage where we see the, the DPOG, <laughs> yeah. yeah, awarding. And like they knew it before Malone even handed out the chain. And so um, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I think those first couple of seasons and some of those, those games where Malone would yank him so quick, you know, off the floor, you wondered, is he ever going to get there? Um, and it's just really a wonderful thing to see that he's there and he gets it and he knows that like that stuff is so important and he's going to get rewarded and recognized. And not that it's just like the recognition part of it, but it's going to be impactful and make a huge difference, especially in a game like that, where Dallas is coming in undefeated as well, right? I think they were, were we gave them their first loss. Correct, yep. Um, and Luca being such a force and having, I mean, I think his numbers are better than Jokic's right now, um, but Mike being the one to really shut him down and give him a problem, I think is so encouraging. And it's it's a thing that I'm now watching for, right? Like, I don't know that we we were always looking for kind of like those mistakes from Porter on defense and and hoping that like, well, it wasn't, you know, bad enough to get him pulled or whatever, whatever, you know, and now he's really um, making a really positive impact on that side of the floor, which we love to see. So, so Gordon, Michael still looks like Bambi on ice most of the time, especially when he's handling the ball. But even on defense, he's... His steps do not look super smooth, but still, F and Luka Doncic could not do anything against him. What's his secret? Well, and is neither it just could Zach Levine. Neither could Zach Levine. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, it's because he's giving them enough space. So yes, he's on the wrong foot or leaning the wrong way, or you know, his he has a, still has a bad ankle. He still has a foot with nerve issues, like. You know, the guy's never going to be what he was at 18 as a high schooler from a, you know, quickness and athleticism standpoint. But he is so much stronger now, you can't back him up. And he trusts his length. So if you're going to go at him, he's already back far enough that you can't get around him. He's not playing you too close. He trusts his seven-foot wingspan. 
And if you want to shoot over him, he's going to let you try. And, it, you know, good luck to you. That's fine. If you make it, you make it. Guys have not been making it um, because he's close enough to then adjust to get to you without fouling you. And that used to be his old problem was that he would jump out at people uh, shooting threes and get in their landing space and run them over and whatever. He doesn't do that now. He just gets close enough. Close enough to alter your shot, close enough to block your shot, close enough to tip a pass, close enough to stop you from driving. He doesn't have to be perfect. He's big enough compared to everybody playing his position that he doesn't have to be perfect. He just has to be there. And now every time he's there. It's just beautiful to see that growth. Uh, I honestly think a lot of that comes from Aaron Gordon and uh, and their friendship and the fact that, um, I mean, AG knows everything about defense. Um, and I don't think playing next to him with him as your friend on the squad for, you know, a couple years now is going to make it so you don't – you'll remember some of that. You'll know where to be. It's not just a coaching thing. It's your friend, you know, talking to you after practice in the sauna being like, look, so you were doing this thing. Be over here. You know, like it's not just on-court coaching. It's hanging out. It's all the little things that make this team family are one of the things that also make them great. Yeah, that's, it, it, it's just a wonderful story. It might be the most beautiful story of, of this year. And now I have to go to, to a place that's not as comfortable to us because it's, it's, not, the, it's not the super positive thing. And another winner of, of Nuggets-related week were actually the Wolves because they showed they can bother Denver's one-two punch. And this especially goes for Jamal, who had a lot of trouble versus Jaden McDaniels. Jamal has been excellent this season as a facilitator. Right now he averages more assists than Nikola, but his efficiency uh, was super inconsistent. He's had two games with 60-plus percent from the field, but also three games with under 40% from the field, one of them actually at, at 30. In his last two games, he's shooting 10 of 31, and I'm not counting the last one where, when he got injured, and those are some Jason Tatum numbers. So, <laughs> Jeremy, uh, are you concerned about the, the scoring aspect of Jamal's season we've seen this far? I'm not. I'm not. I think um, I think based on it, you know, we, we we just heard about it, too. Obviously, we see what Jamal does. He's a playoffs guy. Right. And, and we are what? Seven games into the season. I think, yes, you're you're still trying to see what certain players can do going into the beginning. Right. Because coming off the long playoff run, we don't know what they did in the in the summer and the off season and all that type of stuff. But for me, I really don't start judging it up until like, I want to say a little bit after about a month in, I think is when you start to see it, because think about this, look at like last season when Jamal got into the, like the beginning of the season and they, they interviewed Jokic and they basically asked him like, Hey, what do you, what do you expect from Jamal Murray this season coming off his injuries, things like that. And he said, Oh, I'll give him probably the first 20 games. He's probably going to suck. Right. So, so when he said that, like for me, that's kind of where I judge players like i say after about 20 games or so you start looking at the efficiency you start looking at it but for me 
as long as the Nuggets get to the playoffs, I have no worries in my mind about Jamal Murray because I know he's going to turn into a demigod and going to go crazy. This is what he does. And for me, that is all I'm concerned about. So right now, seven games in, I'm not really concerned about his, his efficiency. I do like the fact that his assists are going up and he's keeping the defense honest because they know that once he gets hot, it's over. Uh, I think we we all just want him to finally become an all-star this year. So this is why we ex we were right, hoping right. for a bit more uh, of a hot start for him. But Gordon, I have a feeling you're going to pull some some uh, cross comparison between all the all the Jamal's Octobers and Novembers from 2016 up up until today and to tell me that this is actually in fact his best. You know, beginning of the season. I, you're, you're Nostradamus because this is his best <laughs> start to the season. Jamal is a slow starter. Everyone needs to know that. Jamal never comes out of the summertime, um, you know, on fire. He's always like, wait, basketball? And then, you know, he's a little inconsistent, and then he gets rolling, and his numbers work out. But it's usually one volcanic game, one crappy game, and a couple of okay games. But what's been beautiful about this year is what Jeremy was talking about with the passing, where he brought that from the playoffs. In the playoffs, he was a better passer than he's ever been in his whole life. And he brought that to this regular season, which is an upgrade from his previous seasons. So as far as like game-to-game inconsistency, that's just Jamal in the regular season. He plays through a lot of injuries, a lot of tweaks, a lot of whatever. Um, and it affects his game. Um, but sometimes he needs to get hurt to be great. He, he, you know, you hurt him and he gets mad and then he starts, you know, making every shot on the planet. But um, the, the fact that he brought his passing to this year is actually an awesome upgrade for the Nuggets. So, no, I, I've actually been happy with what Jamal's been doing so far. Yeah, Molly. We, we've heard a lot of things about the year of Jamal and it might turn out to be the year of Jamal by, by the end of it, for sure. But did you expect more, or is this like like, like awesome? No, I no, I didn't know. I feel the same way. I'm like, I feel like this is awesome, and you know, we weren't going to go 82 and 0. Like we were going to have to lose at some point. I thought that Minnesota game was actually super interesting, and um, I, you know, some nights you don't have it, and some nights not that you like phone it in, but it just, if you don't have it and things don't go your way and it's just, you know, there's so many variables. Um, but I do think the point about Jamal becoming an all-star, I think that's where I start to feel a little bit of nervousness around it because I think as a Nuggets fan and especially over the last couple of years, it's like, we, fe we feel like we literally have to be perfect and like everything, all the stars have to align. Everything has to be perfect for us to be able to get the recognition, to get to, you know, whatever, whatever things, and so that's where I'm like, oh man, is this, is that it? Are people going to be like, well, sorry, sorry, Jamal, like you missed your chance. Like you had to have however many perfect games leading up to it. But I don't, I don't think that that's true. I think that this is still is, I think the league knows. I think that um, Jamal has proven time and time again, who he is, what he can do. And yeah, I'm glad that Gordon confirmed through the stats, which I'm not an expert on, that this actually is his best start to the season. And we know, I mean, last year was coming off the injury and all of those things and um, so no, I'm not concerned, and I am excited about the year of the of Jamal. And I think, I think it will be it. You know, this little thing, hamstring thing right now is a little bit. You know, like we'll see how that kind of affects things, and hopefully he's able to get the rest that he needs and then come right back. Um, 
but I'm, I'm stoked for him. I think he's looked great so far. Yeah. Yeah. On, on that note, we'll take uh, another short break and then we'll continue with some more winners of the past week. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we are back. Next winner of this week, Christian Brown. Now, he looks solid as a rock. There's not a lot of things he excels at on the offensive end, but his net rating right now is... Oh, Jesus, I have this as a question later on, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. He's second best on the whole team after Aaron Gordon, and that's not only because... He is a monster on defense. The, the team plays great on both ends with him in the lineup. Um, Jeremy, does Christian already look like, like a full-blown veteran to you? I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily a full-blown veteran. I mean, obviously, there's still some, some parts of his game that he still needs to get better at, like you mentioned on the offensive side, because they have left him open for threes on numerous occasions. But let's be real. Christian Brown is a proven winner. We've talked about this before from high school to college, immediately in the NBA, just back to back to back championships. Like this is what he does. So for him, I think his best gift is the fact that he knows how to play well with other people. Like he doesn't try to do too much. He knows what he's good at at this very moment. And he plays to the best of his ability. And it's always effort with him. I don't ever look at Christian Brown and see anybody that gives up on plays. He like if he even if he turns the ball over, you can see back on defense, running as fast as possible to get the ball back or to at least make a stop. So and I think I think KCP has actually been helping him with that too. Cause even the other night I saw a play like that with KCP, he turned the ball over on one side, immediately ran down and, and, you know, slapped the ball out of the guy's hand before he made the layup. And I'm seeing that same thing from Christian Brown. He's do he's learning a lot from guys. And I think KCP might be the guy that he's watching a lot because I mean, KCP doesn't get a lot of credit, but I think Christian Brown is emulating a lot of that stuff from him, although he was doing some of those things in college as well. Um, but as a veteran, I mean, listen, man, the kid the kid has skills. He absolutely has some some natural talents. And I mean, from a defensive standpoint, I don't think there's a lot of guys in the league that like playing against him. So when when Christian yeah. was was uh, drafted by the Nuggets, we've heard that he's a guy that likes to trash talk. <laughs> that that likes to taunt the, the the his opponents, and I'm I'm actually glad he he's not doing that just yet in the NBA. He looks like a like a silent killer. That's that's my favorite fe feature of of his. Molly, is it uh, is this the what you were hoping for to get from Christian? What we've seen so far. Um. Look, Christian Brown is the lock screen on my phone right now. So <laughs> this is more than I could have ever hoped for. In fact, I was trying to remember what it's some dunk from last season, but it's just like the most amazing picture. But I didn't know who Christian Brown was when we drafted him. I don't really follow college basketball. And I was like, I, didn't I hope either. he's excited to come to the Nuggets. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, I hope he knows what he's about to walk into. And like, I hope he feels excited to play for the Denver Nuggets and play for Jokic, you know, and, or play with Jokic. And with our team. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been, I mean, 
I don't know if other people had had different expectations, but I didn't really have any expectations. I don't I don't know that you put a lot of expectations on a rookie, especially with the team that we had. Right. Like it's not like it was a lottery pick or things like that where there are super high expectations. Um, I think he has completely over delivered and like completely exceeded my expectations. And I like what Jeremy said that it's like he's he's not a vet yet. Like this is a second year in the league, but he definitely looks like he belongs. He's not scared. He's not timid. He's not um, like he he does things and he makes things happen. And um, I yeah, I've just been completely impressed and I love Christian Brown. Gordon, do, do you expect to see more of Christian this season as a shooter or as a playmaker? Uh, what do you mean by playmaker? I mean, like, actually initiating offense. Uh, in... Well, the thing is, is, Christian doesn't shoot that much. So uh, Christian's gift is very much like Bruce Brown's gift, which is I get a rebound and I just run my ass off down the court and I make stuff happen. Like that was that was what you know Bruce was doing and got him a giant contract because it's an amazing skill set. And you know, Christian Brown can leap out of the gym. He's a good rebounder. I I don't think he passes guys open, but he finds open guys, which is the important part. He's happy to pass the ball in transition um, or take it up inside if he needs to. And again, that jumping ability helps on both ends of the court. Um, you know, Christian's finishing great at the rim and not great at all from deep. And I, I want his three point shot to come along. But if you were looking for a Christian Brown to be a Bruce Brown replacement, then what you wanted was who's the guy who can rally the troops, who can get a stop, who can get the team out in transition all the time, who's not afraid of anything, who goes in among the trees and handles his business. That's that's Christian Brown. That's what he does. That's what he's done from the jump. Uh, so, no, he's he's been great at what they've asked him to do. I do agree with uh, Jeremy that uh, he does seem to be predicating a lot of his game off of KCP, which I think is outstanding because he's probably going to be KCP's replacement at some point. So, like, you want him to be practicing for the role that he's going to get, and that would be the starting unit, you know, KCP lock, lockdown defender who makes open shots and can finish in the paint. Like, that's what I would like to see from him. And once he gets that three ball, Christian's going to be a real tough cover. Um, yeah. Right now, he's a tough cover, but people can lay off him because they know he's going to go to the rack. But once he can make that three shot consistently, he's going to be real trouble. A uh, vast majority of people that's uh, watching this or listening to this as a podcast all, all already follow Andy Bailey on Twitter. But just in case you don't, just look at his tweet from, from yesterday or even today when he compared the numbers of Bruce Brown from last year to Christian Brown's numbers this year. Yep. And granted, there are per 75 possessions, which means it, it, uh, Christian is compensated for the fact that he's only playing for like 18 minutes per game and Bruce was playing for about 30. But his production is the same or better than, than Bruce's from, from last season per possession, which is actually insane to think about. And his rebounds li- are like double what what Bruce was was doing last year. So that's that's super encouraging about him. Another guy I think was a winner of this week of this huge five-game stretch is Peyton Watson. Now he's been up and down. 
he's been benched in one of the games, but he's going to be an impact player in the regular season for sure. Denver is right now second in blocks per game in the league. Now, when did that happen for the last time? Do, do you remember, Gordon? No, but probably when Marcus Camby was on the team. I was going to say the same thing, so yeah. <laughs> probably. It, it was at least that long ago. Jeremy, how how, how did you see uh, Peyton Watson's games? Man, I mean, going back to last season, you know, obviously the, 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 the last few games right before the playoffs started, and you got a chance to see right you got a chance to see Peyton Watson against the Phoenix Suns against the Warriors and you know you obviously had that game where he blocked Steph I think either two to three times in that game played really well against the Suns obviously he was the leader of the team essentially in for the summer league team and so so we kind of expected him to to have a bigger role this season but man when I tell you there's something about Peyton Watson that I've been personally watching right I I am one of those people that like I'm very competitive. When I play any type of sports, I play basketball, anything, I'm very competitive. When I look at Peyton Watson's face, right? Let's just say he misses an assignment, misses a block, or he misses a shot on the offensive side. The look on his face is always of, all right, I'm going to get that back. I'm going to I'm going to make up for that. There's there's just something special about him where he he's constantly hungry and I think the Nuggets need a player like that especially a young guy going into his second season I mean he's already tasted some level of success obviously he won a championship with the team but I think for his individual self we're we're gonna start to really see his game develop we'll see those threes going at a higher clip but defensively yes I mean the shots that he blocks and the fact that he can jump so high on those dunks Peyton Watson is he's he's one of those players that a lot of teams would love to have and if the nuggets develop him the way that i believe they will that's 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 another guy for this nuggets future that is going to be a lockdown defender but will also be able to make the three and we know he can get to the basket so like i said before the league is cooked <laughs> so, so so molly like 18 months ago I was really low on on Calvin Boots' first moves. Like he signed DeAndre mm. Jordan in like fifth second of of the off season, and then he drafted a bunch of rookies. Like I was hoping to get a real strong veteran team, and he was just piling up the rookies. And then, like three months ago, he said, "No, no, you guys are gonna see." Uh, Peyton Watson is going to be better than Bruce Brown last season. And I was like, what is this guy talking about? That's 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 crazy talk. But should I stop worrying about Calvin Boots' decisions? Um, I mean, maybe he maybe the way he talks about players and things to the media, there's some questionable things there. But no, I think his decisions have been solid. And I think sometimes, I mean, I don't. I don't scout these players. I don't know anything about them really going into it, but he does. And I think he knows and understands this team and knows and is looking ahead to the future and is a couple steps ahead, you know, and understands that development process and understands what they're going to need and, and knew that the Bruce thing was only temporary. Unfortunately, as much as we all hate that, we knew that that was inevitable. Um, so yeah, Miro, I think you should, you know, change the way that you feel about <laughs> about Calvin Booth and what he's doing. I think 
I think these picks have proven to be, um, you know, they're still developing, but very impactful and, and just the right fit to kind of fill in those holes that we've had. <clears throat> so, Gordon, is Pivot going to be a playoff player this season? Ooh, see that, and that was my, that was when I was annoyed at Booth when he drafted Watson. Not that Watson wouldn't be good, but that Watson wouldn't be ready. That I wanted to win a championship now, and Watson was two years away from, he was going to miss two playoffs. I didn't think he'd be ready for the, the playoffs last year, and he wasn't. And I didn't think he'd be ready for the playoffs this year. Now I might be wrong about that. Because Watson looks, uh, when he's on, when he's directed at the bucket, he looks amazing. When he's directed at the ball carrier. And that's really with rookies, the problem that you run into. I, and I consider Watson a rookie. I know he played like three games last year or something, but let's let's call that a rookie. Um, and he was a, you know, he's a young kid. He's It's not like he's the same age as Christian Brown. You know, uh, Watson's a couple years younger. Uh, he doesn't have the college experience. He doesn't have the pro experience. And one of the things you lose in that is the ability to understand and implement team defense. Christian Brown played four years for a defensive-minded coach in college, you know, who was out there all the time taking all the little instructions. Then he sat for a whole year and, and as a defensive guy, knew what was going on. Watson has defensive skills, but doesn't have team defense. So when he's around, when he's around the ball, watching him stuff, uh, who was he, who did he stuff three times the other game? Uh, who was trying to score on him. Uh, but anyway, it was Derek like three Rose. Blocks. Yeah, Derek Rose. Derek was like, I got this. And Peyton was like, or, uh, was like, you do not have this. This is not a thing that you have. So I it's love not, that. I, I love it's that It's not 2011 anymore. No, but I, I love that Watson does like, like Jeremy said, I want it back. I want to be good. He, he craves being good. And I love that about, about Peyton. Uh, but he's going to have to figure it out with his rotations, the same way that MPJ did. MPJ also didn't play any real college basketball. He also came out after one year. He didn't, you know, high school team concepts don't don't count. That's not a thing. Not when you're playing NBA players. So it's going to take a minute for uh, Watson to get to Christian Brown's level of team defense. Uh, but honestly, I, I really think that he will be a rotation level, level player and a rotation ready player in these playoffs. Um, and part of that is because he's going to get enough time during the regular season because the Nuggets are going to do things smart, knock on some wood again, like uh, sit Jamal Murray for a few games and let some guys that they have on the team breathe a little, you know, in the in the early part of the season and not keep the, the playoff rotation of seven and a half guys all year. You know, you're going to let those guys play. And that's what the Nuggets will be able to do that will allow Watson and Brown to be playoff ready when they get there. Yeah, okay. It is time for one more short break and we're going to run a bit longer today. So sorry, Fox, if you're if you're in a hurry to do something else today. Uh, you invited me more. on, it's your fault. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> so don't go anywhere and uh, we'll move uh, to another segment, I promise. Okay, no more winners for today. It is time for some losers. And 
from the NBA, of course, no, no losers on the Nuggets uh, this season. So let's start with the obvious one, Memphis Grizzlies. They're zero and six right now, a playoff uh, team that's good in the West. Uh, the old story was about them being better without Ja than with him. And that really was true two seasons ago. But back then they had the Anthony Melton and slow-mo Kyle Anderson and also excellent point guard in Tyus Jones. They didn't want to pay those guys. They wanted to bet on Ja, Bain and Triple J and wanted to rely on their young guys like David Roddy, shout out Colorado guy, Kenneth Lofton Jr., Zaire Williams. And they have some good guys like Xavier Tillman or their big acquisition for this season, Marcus Smart. But then their best shooter, Luke Kennard, is shooting 12% for three on almost six attempts for 20 minutes, which is actually how much he plays. But I don't want to go deep dive into the Grizzlies. Go watch Adam and Tim Legler for it. I wanted to make a different point here. So what is the real ceiling of your team if your superstar is John Morant? Right now, he is suspended for 25 games for being a dumbass. And I agree that the NBA players got sentenced for far shorter suspensions for doing far more dangerous things. But this kind of feels to me like the league trying to give the last chance to one of its young superstars to become a more mature person. The things we've seen from Ja both on and off court so far do not give me a lot of confidence in him as a leader of a contender. He is a bad defender, and his play style is so devastating to his own body, I'm honestly happy he is currently suspended instead of being injured. But enough about him. How much credit should we give to Tim Connolly and Calvin Booth for creating this homegrown super team? And how much is it just have an effing all-time great in Nikola Jokic so the biggest obstacle is, is already conquered? So Molly, is it? That was that was quite the question and lead up to it. I don't I don't even know what the question is. Sorry. I'm gonna talk about the Grizzlies for five minutes. Forget the Grizzlies. Well, we're not yeah. gonna talk about the Grizzlies. Like, like we don't want to talk. I just wanted to 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 be salty against Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. No, but then I we, think that's fine. I, I love the We move back to, to the Nuggets like like you really need a a, a proper superstar to to thrive it's it's not just have geniuses in your front office right yeah i i mean everything the way that i look at the nba obviously is always like in relation to the nuggets i don't know that much about the grizzlies the rest of their team you know all of those things but i think um when your superstar is a strong leader and is humble and does things the right way in terms of the culture and the way that he like sets the example for the team that matters and that's important. Could you have a superstar and then someone else who's the leader on the team? Probably, but I don't think you're going to get that far. And I think we're super spoiled in seeing both of that in Nikola Jokic. And one of my favorite things is just hearing players in the league, folks that have come through the Denver locker room, you know, like Bruce Brown or Austin Rivers or whoever who was, you know, here for one, hearing them. Sorry, I don't know if my computer just glitched there. Um, Hearing them talk about Jokic and talk about his um, personality and, and the way that he is. And um, we, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. 
but I think when I look at Memphis and when I look at John Morant, I mean, that is kind of the number one thing that sticks out to me, right? Like he doesn't have the leadership and maybe he comes back different after the suspension. Like maybe he really does do the thing that everyone says that they do when they issue that apology statement on Instagram, where they're like, I'm going to sit and think and figure this out and come back a better person and learn and listen and all those things, you know, and really evaluate my decisions that have led me to this point. Um, and I hope that he does, because I think Jaw is super talented. I think he's super fun to watch. I think he's a great player. I think he had the opportunity and, and I don't think it's gone to be kind of part of this young face of the league and kind of these up and coming players. So I hope he comes back with that. Um, so it kind of remains to be seen, but I think we are, um, back to your question, like, is our front office, I mean, I don't, I don't know that anybody knew who Jokic was going to be. You know, I think they saw his skills. I think they saw his work ethic. They knew a little bit about his history in Serbia and those things, but I don't think anybody could have predicted and and listed out all of the things that we now know to be true about, well, okay, except for you, Miroslav. <laughs> no, we, we didn't um, know. Uh, we didn't know. We had yeah, no idea. <laughs> about, yeah, 2023 Nikola Jokic, right? Two-time MVP, finals MVP winner, like, we didn't know. And so I don't know if that's just the basketball gods literally smiling on us after so many years. Um, it's it's a combination of things, right? It was Tim Connolly. It was the way that they developed him. I think Michael Malone is a huge part of it. I think that it's the right people at the right time um, to create that mag magic that we've been lucky enough to be a part of. So Jeremy, do you expect Ja to, to turn the season over for, for Memphis and save them? <sighs> Ooh, I, I don't know if he's going to save them necessarily. I mean, obviously, he's going to make them better uh, because of his just pure talent. I mean, I think that's the one thing that we can't necessarily take away from him. Obviously, he has made some some, you know, some terrible decisions off the court, but he's a really good player. Right. Um, I know he will make them better. I mean, look at I mean, there's still going to be a chance to make the play in because obviously right now, what we see on the floor, maybe they're still working through chemistry issues. Like you said, I think their biggest loss was Tyus Jones, because I truly believe had he still been there, I think they would have at least won a couple games because there's only a few backup point guards in the league that you can truly see step out and lead the starting unit. Monte Morris had his moments like that as well. Like there's only a few guys who can really do it. Um, but I think with them losing him as well as Ja, obviously for two different reasons, um, I think I think Ja is obviously going to make a, a big difference when he come back. But Marcus Smart to me, like I, I thought when they got him, when they got Marcus Smart, you kind of looked at it like, oh look, this is a guy who's you know he's obviously a really good player, former Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to bring this tenacity, this toughness. And Memphis has always been that type of team, going back to the grindhouse days with the Zach Randolphs. And, like, they've always had that type of identity. And Marcus Smart fits in that mold. Um, I think they will turn it around even prior to, to Ja coming around. I can't imagine they're just going to go 0-82, right? But I think Ja will help them when he comes back just off of his talent and his skills alone. And, and yes, that comment is perfectly correct, yeah. saying Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams was a huge loss, huge, huge, huge loss. Yes, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. Yes, you have Xavier Tillman. But those guys cannot do what Stephen Adams does. He is the best screener probably in the league. And he can, he's going to get you those offensive rebounds. He brings toughness. And that man is strong as an ox. We can all see it, right? So he... I think I think the the combination of losing Ja, losing Tyus Jones in the offseason and Steven Adams being out, 
it's going to be a tough road for the Memphis Grizzlies until at least one of those guys comes back. Obviously, Tyus is gone. So it'll be interesting, man. But I don't think Ja is going to save them. I think he'll just make them a little bit better. So, so Gordon, it's so awesome to have a guy like Triple J, who is uh, one of the most switchable bigs out there. But also, he's not really a big. He doesn't rebound because of it. I mean, he, he would have been a better de- rebounder if he wasn't hunt, hunting the, right. on perimeter so perimeter. much. Yeah. And now when you don't have Steven Adams, there's nobody to, to pick up the, the boards. Right. Yeah, the, the problem that the Grizzlies have is they were built to do one specific thing. <clears throat> and then without John Morant there, they can't do that thing. So you don't have an offensive engine. Like, uh, Jaw's not the most efficient player, but he is a very good player, probably the fastest player in the league, one of the most athletic players in the league. So he led you on a, you know, down-the-court transition offense, breaking down everybody's defense just because his first step is ridiculous, you know, finishing at the rim. And they don't. Uh, that's not how Marcus Smart plays. That's not how they, – they don't, they don't have the team that they thought they were going to have. So, you know, it would if you asked the Nuggets to maintain their identity without Jokic and Murray, you'd be like, that is their identity. Well, Steven Adams and uh, and John Morant was, you know, 80% of their identity with, you know, uh, Jaron Jackson being the other part. And now you're asking them to do something else in the middle of the season with no no training, no real ability to get that done. I just, I don't think... If we're talking about saving them as far as making the playoffs, maybe because there's a play-in tournament, they might make it. But no, it, it, he, he's going to be too far behind to save their season. Because if, even if they get into the play-in tournament, who are they going to get? Us. Like, <laughs> you're going to get us. Oh, get yeah. What are you going to do? So, yeah, there's uh, it, he's not saving their season in any meaningful way, unfortunately. It's just going to be a lost season for them. Um, and we've had those in Denver. Where you know we lost Murray and we we missed out on what could have been another ring because of that. So I feel bad for Memphis. I certainly hope that Jaw gets it together uh, personally and professionally, um, and doesn't just rely on his talent. But otherwise, these are the things that happen in the league, man. Like that's how it goes. It just sometimes you get struck by the bad luck of the basketball gods, and it happens. Yeah, I, um, it breaks my heart that we don't have the, enough time to talk a bit about the Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the Luka-led uh, Mavericks. There are so many good good losers to to pick from. We're gonna have to to save it for another time. I wanted to to squeeze in one one short segment here because I'm afraid Adam is gonna steal it from me now that I've announced it on on the on the socials. So. We're going to try to predict the Nuggets record on the Yokemas Eve. So on uh, uh, after the Nets game that's on December 14th on the Yokemas Eve, the Nuggets are going to have 17 more games up to that date. And my conservative uh, prediction here is they're going to go 11-6. and six. I think they can go better than that, but 11-6 and six is pretty fine. Why am I saying this? If you add this to the six and one record they only already have, that's seventeen and seven, and that's a fifty-eight win pace before Yokemas. So 
this is my question. Do you have a different prediction in regards of number of wins in those 17 games? And do you think Nikola has, again, another gear for playing AJ after Jokmas? Because if this is his BJ, 29 teams should start rebuilding right away. <laughs> what, what do you guys think? Do, do you think I'm I'm too modest or too uh, too cocky with this uh, uh, 11 and 6 prediction? Whoever wants to to take it. I have I have some thoughts on this. I actually went and looked at all of this. So in the games between now and Yokmas, they have a five game road trip in November. They have a four game road trip in December. They have four back to backs in that period of time too. They have three more in season tournament games and two more games that aren't in the schedule right now because of that in-season tournament. So they're either going to play two games in Vegas or they're going to play two other regular season games that aren't even built into that. So they actually have 19 games that they're playing before Yokeness. Smart. Smart. So <laughs> I know I came prepared for this one. <laughs> um, so I think they're going to go, I, I think, I think they're going to lose a few more in there. And I think some of it might be not on purpose, but I think that they're going to um, be strategic maybe in some of these games. Um, so I think they're going to go um, in the 16 games my, or the 17 games. And this is not including those other two that we don't know about yet that will count for their res- regular season record. I'm, I'm predicting nine and eight. I think they go just over 500 for those games. Cause I think they, they lose some of those road trip games. They lose some of those back to backs. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see how they approach that in season tournament group play and then the tournament itself are they going all out are they gunning for that in-season trophy um but also those are single elimination games and so there's a lot of you know variation in there so anyways that's my prediction nine and eight over those 17 games gordon jeremy um you know i i'll be honest um i i do tend to agree with both of you essentially um because i do think that i don't think you're I don't think you were being cocky, right? I don't think you were being cocky at all with with your predictions. And we also obviously have to factor in the Jamal Murray injury. I mean, I think that 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 in itself is probably the most important factor in this. But if I'm being honest, I still think that the Nuggets are still going to win a sizable amount of those games. So I'm actually going to go, I'm actually going to go 12 and five. And the reason I'm saying 12 and five is because I think that a lot of teams will face the nuggets and then essentially say oh well you know they're not full powered we're not gonna do do, 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 do." i think i think it's gonna be a situation where the nuggets are gonna still now catch people off guard like they did last year because this is not a fully powered nuggets team if you play the nuggets right now all you're gonna hear from us nuggets fans as well had jamal murray been healthy we would have won that game We're, we're gonna use that because now we have proof as to what he can do in those games um but I still I think that we're going to be surprised by the same names that we've brought we've brought up in this show with the Peyton Watsons and the Christian Browns. I think you're going to get a lot of production from those guys and those players are going to surprise other teams. So for me, maybe this is just me being a homer and being biased with the whole situation. But I, I, I still think the Nuggets are going to win a, a decent amount of games as long as Nikola Jokic stays healthy once he's out there. I think, I mean, let's be real. They want a playoff series with Austin Rivers and Faku Kampazzo. So the way I see it, you give you put Jokic out there, they have a chance no matter what. So 12 and 5 is my prediction. So Gordon, Molly predicted a 51 win pace and 
Jeremy predicted a 61 win pace. Where are you at? I'm with Jeremy. I And that's simply the Nuggets usually waste the first six weeks of every season forgetting how to play Nuggets basketball. Mm-hmm. They come back every year and they're like, well, now we're going to put the ball in Jamal's hands more. And, you know, Jokic is going to spend six weeks off ball. Or now we're going to, you know, play our offense this way with only outside shots. And then every year around, you know, Jokic, we're like, okay, now we're going to play actual Jokic ball. And then they do it the rest of the year and they win it like a 55, 60 win clip every year because that stretch, they actually play their basketball. They came out of the gate this year playing Jokic ball. They came out of the gate this year playing Nuggets basketball. They haven't forgotten who they were, which they had been doing every year. So, no, I'm not worried about uh, uh, that. And I I think that missing Jamal is a big deal, but it's not playoff Jamal, and these are not playoff teams. They play the Rockets like three times between now and, you know, <laughs> and December 15th. Poor Rockets, so, man. Like, I mean, it's it, that's that's a little different than having to face the Heat and you know whoever. Like, yes, there are going to be some playoff teams on their schedule, and yes, as Molly Paul pointed out, the schedule itself is brutal. You're going to have some schedule losses to teams that you didn't think you should lose to because you're tired. It's another four and five nights kind of a thing, and you just don't have your A game or your B game, and maybe not a C game. But honestly, I I do think the Nuggets are gonna. Um, handle their business in the first half of the season. Unless Murray is out for an extended period of time, which would give teams the ability to find weaknesses in the non-Murray, you know, schedule versus, you know, whoever his backup is going to be for six weeks. And if that doesn't happen, you know, you're, you're not going to be stopping the Nuggets and what Nikola Jokic does because no one can stop the Nuggets and what Nikola Jokic does. It's not it's not a possible thing. You have to do what you do better than the Nuggets do what they do. Um, and that's the mistake that every team tries to make is that they try to mess us up. And that doesn't work. You can't do that. You have to be better. You can't make us worse. And so the more times they try to make us worse, the more it's going to go the Nuggets way. So, yeah, I'm with I'm with Jeremy. I'm thinking around 12 and five. I'm thinking a 60 ish win per, uh, percentage through through 1215. So then Mirsav, can I yeah. defend my position real quick? Of course. So I I I no, my hot take is my hot take is the Nuggets will win 60 games this season. I just think these next however many there weeks are just kind of brutal. Love it. Love it. So, I'm cool with that. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be it's gonna be yeah that to be clear, I don't think the Nuggets are only gonna win 51 <laughs> games. On. You don't want to be remembered as a Nuggets fan. <laughs> okay. Don't be don't be a Gordon. Don't be a Gordon. <laughs> so th- this is a funny thing, guys. So if we are right, and I I think we all feel like the Nuggets are on the brink of actually winning 60 games this season. And that's so beautiful. I, I just don't want George Carl to be annoying on Twitter anymore, mentioning his most successful regular season ever in the Nuggets history. Like Great, great job, George. Now it's now it's the, the golden era. Okay, before we go, and I'm promising that we are going. Gordon, do you want to tell us a bit about your show back with Zach Mikash on the Denver Stiffs show? Oh, no, Zach and I are just doing the Denver Stiffs show again. 
So yeah, every every Monday you can tune in and um, find us on the Denver Stiff Show because Zach uh, Mikash is running Denver Stiffs again, and he asked me to come back and support him in this endeavor so he doesn't completely lose his mind. And I said okay. So yeah, I'm doing the podcast with him every week, um, and you can always find us um, doing the Denver Stiff Show and talking about the week that did happen. Also, some great writing on the DenverStiffs.com. Don't don't miss Gordon's. Well, not uh, yet. I just doing stuff. recaps right now, man. If 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 you know, I can get some other people to do some recaps. I'll have time to write some articles. But until then, <laughs> all you get is all you get is recaps from me. It's it's still writing. It's still writing. Don't be too too modest, Jeremy. <laughs> where, where where can the audience find you? Uh well, honestly, right now I'm just on Twitter, right? Like I've uh, I've kind of taken a break essentially because you know last season I had um, you know my my Nuggets podcast and everything and my sports betting podcast, but for me I'm actually taking just personal time right now just to focus on stuff in my life and you know get my own life in order right now. Man. But of course you. you yeah, I mean, it's 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 a part of it, right? Like doing what I can for myself, my daughter. I mean, I, you know, I've been trying to help a lot of people with, you know, even like my weight loss journey and the things that I've been doing for myself. So that's kind of all I've been focused on. But obviously, I'm watching every single second of every Nuggets game. It doesn't matter where I am. I have my phone with me. Like I, you know, I, I try to keep track of everything just so I can at least comment on it. Um, but that's that's kind of what it is. If you guys want to find me, um, at Jeremy Nichols on Twitter, and I'm always down to talk sports and and you know anytime, man. It's it's always fun for me. Oh, they've already found you on Twitter. I'm <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> so, so, so Molly, you, you took a, a bit of a break during the off season from from the from the social media and everything. Can we expect you know more of more of your stuff during this this on season? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a podcast like anybody like the rest of you, but. Um... Yeah, I try to, you know, make people laugh. I try to throw some some things out into the Twitterverse that, that catch people's attention. So, um, yeah, I'm still there. I, same thing. I watch most games. There was a couple that I wasn't able to get to this week. But, um, yeah, find me on Twitter, MallsBalls84. And maybe maybe a, a podcast appearance here or there um, throughout the season. Yes. Wonderful. So, dear listener, thank you for staying with us for the full 81 minutes of this show. This is a new record, at least the record among shows that didn't feature Gordon before, I guess. So, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us. And as always, Idemo Nagetsi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 